So, Mark. Yes. In While You Were Sleeping, we did a movie that was kind of about trains. We should do a movie that's more about trains. Yeah, we should, absolutely should. I love trains. I love trains. Uh, oh, no. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say North by Northwest, and then I remembered we never did that. <laughs> Correct. We did not. We did Vertigo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we could do Strangers on a Train. Or Throw Mama from the Train. Largely the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that movie about trains. When Harry Met Sally started with automobiles. Indeed it did. So now it's time to do a movie about planes. Well, this director sure gives us a lot to choose from. <laughs> yes. Uh, we chose one of my favorites. And in honor of this, I wanted to know, what is your favorite aircraft from a movie? Um, The airplane from the film Airplane comes to mind. Uh, yes, an airplane. It's an airplane. It has no name, but it is full of very fun hijinks. So that's your favorite passenger manifest. It's true. I think about the drinking problem joke a lot. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, you should watch Airplane. It's very funny. But there's a character who goes to Vietnam and develops a drinking problem. And by that, it's every time he tries to drink, he just pours it on a different part of his head. Yeah, that would be a drinking problem. Yeah. Especially if, like Loretta in Ed Wood, he's allergic to water. (laughs) And all liquids. I really wish that had been investigated more. It's a weird thing to never (laughs) remark upon again. It's so weird. I think my answer has to be... The hot air balloon from my beloved Paddington 2. Oh, that's a good hot air balloon. It is made out of a laundry basket and laundry stitched together, and it allows them to escape from Her Majesty's prisons. Ugh, what a movie. Also, hot air balloons are great, in general. Hot air balloons are the best. I bet one could get you around the world in fewer than 85 days. But probably you would need more than 75. Yeah, just seems likely. Did you watch The Amanda Show? I did not. I did not have cable growing up. There was a running sketch on that called Moody's Point, which was a parody of shows like The O.C., like moody teen dramas. Her character's name was literally Moody. And one of the reasons she's moody is because her mom is lost in a hot air balloon because it never came down. And I will say that did make me a little scared of hot air balloons as a kid. No, Mark! Because I was worried I would never be able to descend. I'm sorry. I hope you know that Hot air balloons are okay. Yeah, I think they're fine for the most part. You could be one of the aeronauts. <laughs> that movie that came out and everyone watched and loved? <laughs> yes, it exists. <laughs> it definitely exists. <laughs> what is that movie? Like, it's an Amazon movie, isn't it? It's about the aeronauts. <laughs> the aeronauts. It has Felicity Huffman in it. No, it's Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones and Henry Redmayne. The Felicity who didn't bribe usc to admit her daughters to school oh felicity hoffman didn't bribe usc she paid what's his name yeah she is the first felicity i think of always mine is probably felicity the american girl doll i know absolutely nothing about american girl dolls suzanne basically detested them as a kid she went to the giant american girl doll store in chicago and my grandmother offered to buy her a doll from there and she chose a dog See, the catch is that the core of them, less so now, but when we were growing up, were all from different historical time periods. Yeah. And my family was too into history for my sisters not to get into that. Yeah. I don't know why Suzanne was so opposed, but I think it was also just the fact that she only ever cared about animals. Sure. Anyway, Felicity was the (laughs) colonial doll. Oh. She was always getting into a conflict with a guy named Jiggy Nye who abused his horses. 
<laughs> that sounds so weird. You should be really impressed that I'm pulling this out. You know, though, what they didn't have in the colonial era, it was- They had pigs. It was not the age of the seaplane. <laughs> no, that, nor was it the age of the aeronauts. That famous time we all know, and that we yes. will be discussing today in the film Porco Rosso on We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. So they did make a Felicity movie, but it was like made for TV, so I don't think it counts for our purposes. I'm Will and I'm a ginger. Uh, This, of course, is a podcast dedicated to examining the most pressing, urgent issues of our day. Like, when was the age when seaplanes dominated the skies? Also, does Hollywood or Japanese animated romance actually make any sense? You need to make sure to tweet out the opening scroll of this movie if you can find it. So everyone can So the reason that it's so weird is because this week's movie was originally developed to be a 45-minute in-flight movie for Japan Airlines. And so the reason that it has that opening scroll in so many languages is because the idea was people could be from anywhere in the world watching movies on the plane, and they wanted to make sure they would be able to understand the opening text. It's great. I love the result, but it is kind of strange. And also- it's really weird. Are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if their romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or a mysterious, aloof- relationship almost as reserved as the one in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We will dig in and see what is there. As you can tell, we are very excited to talk about this movie because we- I love this movie. I love this movie just so much. To be clear, the movie we're talking about this week is Hayao Miyazaki's 1992 seaplane bounty hunter kind of romance featuring a woman and a pig. Uh, It's called Porco Rosso and it's one of my favorite movies. Now, you remember that time in Mediterranean history when seaplane pirates were roaming and they had to hire bounty hunters and other seaplanes to stop them? Seaplanes ruled the sky! That history period, we all know. Seaplane pilots are the best. Their souls are washed by the wind and the sky. It's the wind and the waves, because they're cleaned by both the air and the sea. Right. That makes them better than normal pilots. And braver. And better than sailors. Braver than all of us. Even the pirates amongst them. Last year, I watched every Miyazaki movie. I had seen none of them before. I was not one of the person who grew up on, like, Totoro or Kiki or what have you. So I watched all of them in the space of about two months. And Porco Rosso is one that I had not heard of at all. And I love it. It's the one that I then went out and bought for myself on Blu-ray. This movie is an absolute masterpiece. I wouldn't say it is my favorite Miyazaki That's not to say I don't love it, but the bar there is very high. Oh, yeah, of course. I just rewatched Totoro, and I forgot how much that movie makes me cry. Oh, Totoro rules. It's amazing. But I was also just, like, in bed. It was, like, a Sunday night or something, and I was, oh, what should I watch before bed? And I chose, oh, my neighbor Totoro. This will just be a nice movie before bed, because it's been a long time since I watched it. And then I was just sad. (laughs) Uh, The best part of Totoro is when they do the nighttime, like, dance around the crops oh absolutely or any scene totoro is in (laughs) or also the cat bus (laughs) cat bus you had to know i would love the bus oh of course the fact that there is a cat whose eyes are headlights and whose forehead has a rotating sign frankly that is how like the movie cars should work there should be people that get inside of the (laughs) guts of the cat too right i wish we could cover that movie but we have Absolutely nothing to talk about. The mom is in two scenes. Yeah, it's like funny for us to do no romance in Madagascar, but it's not funny for us to do that with Totoro. No, but there is romance in this film, which is so good. 
as I said, it was supposed to be a 45-minute in-flight movie for Japan Airlines based on a manga that Miyazaki wrote called The Age of the Flying Boat. It's like 15 pages. It's quite short. And the problem was that the movie got to be too long, so it no longer made sense as just an in-flight movie. But Japan Airlines did remain a major investor, and the movie premiered as an in-flight movie for Japan Airlines before it appeared in theaters. And you have to know, like, there were definitely some nerds who, like, bought a plane ticket making sure it was long enough that they could see Porco Rosso before it opened in theaters. Oh, 100%. So it's basically a, like, $200 movie ticket. But you also get a trip out of it. Yeah. So, Porco Rosso is about, of course, the Porco Rosso, the most famous bounty hunter in the age of the seaplane. The Crimson Pig. The Crimson Pig, who roams the sky in his trusty red plane that he uses to capture and shoot down seaplane pirates who steal children. To be clear, everyone in this movie is a person except for Porco, who is an anthropomorphic pig. Yes. And it's never truly explained why he's a pig. it's kind of implied. It's kind of implied, but I love that it's never explicit. And also, the connection between what they imply where he kind of goes to pilot heaven and then comes back to Earth. There's no, like, logical reason there that he should have been made into a pig. I mean, it's reflective of sort of a spiritual change in Porco. Like, he witnesses the great beyond and for whatever reason doesn't travel there, whether because he's not ready yet or he's been rejected by the afterlife for whatever reason he is sent back a lot of his closest friends have died and the pig is kind of the manifestation of he is no longer like other people so there's a physical transformation that takes place and i don't know you get the sense that he's kind of hedonistic yeah and he'd rather be a we're pig. introduced to porco just on his beach drinking wine and reading hollywood magazines yeah and also he would rather be a pig than a fascist well shouldn't we all This movie is so good. (laughs) So the fascist thing is actually worth bringing up because I was able to track down The Age of the Flying Boat, the original manga online, and it is very jokey. Like, it is not at all as serious as this movie is. And that was a change that happened during production because this whole movie is set during the age when seaplanes dominated the Mediterranean. But very specifically, it's set in 1929 on the Adriatic Sea. And during the time the movie was in production, war broke out in Yugoslavia. And it was kind of because of that, Miyazaki and the rest of the people working on it were like, well, we can't just make this like whimsical shoot 'em up movie set in a period where really brutal war is happening right now. So the tone became much more serious at that point, to the point that Miyazaki has since called the movie foolish because it's too adult to be properly understood by children. I will say, as a kid, I probably still would have liked this even if I didn't understand all the complexities. Right, yeah. I think he's probably a little too harsh on it. But it's definitely a very interesting look at how this former soldier gets completely changed by war and then is able to better perceive the changes in society happening back in Italy afterwards. Right. We meet Porco as an ex-Air Force pilot in a time when his country is dominated by fascists. And he has friends who are telling him, like, look, you know, the freelance stunt flyer, like, you know, Lindbergh crossing the Atlantic kind of thing, that's over. If you want to fly seriously, you've got to sign up with a country. And why don't you come back to the Air Force? They would be happy to have you. And Porco's like, no, this stuff is wrong. I'm not going along with the fascism. And so instead, he is one of the last bounty hunters and is 
constantly fighting with and just kind of generally annoying the pirates. Yeah, it kind of feels like until the American Curtis showed up that it was a somewhat whimsical relationship between Porco and the pirates where they were giving each other a hard time but never seriously posing like mortal threats to one another. Yeah, I mean, in the opening scene, Porco doesn't even take all of the money from the pirates when he stops them. He leaves them enough so that they can repair their plane. Right. They're just kind of having a good time. And even, like, the people who are threatened by the pirates, I love those little kids at the beginning. This opening of the movie is one of my favorite movie openings of all time. So it starts like a Bond movie in that there's an initial mission that doesn't have a ton to do with what goes on later. And this one, it is these pirates, the Mama Ayutos, uh, who are a bunch of big burly dudes, attack a ship, take its money, and kidnap all the kids aboard. And they kidnap 15 children, which they quickly learn is too many kids. The plane is not that big, so the kids are just stuffed and crawling everywhere and over everything. Right, so the kids just kind of take over the plane and are super excited. Like, they're being kidnapped, being like, wow, you guys are pirates. Cool, I can't wait. Yeah, this is so fun. I love pirates. Let me see. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, are you shooting a gun? That's Let cool. me try. Let me try. And these pirates are just like, why did we take all of the kids? They're openly <laughs> being like, we did not need 15 kids. We could have done this with like three. Yeah. And then Porco shows up to rescue the kids after being called away from his wine and Hollywood magazines on the beach. And he manages to down the plane without anyone getting hurt, recover the money. But my favorite part is after the plane is in the water, all the little girls are, like, just jumping off. And the fight is still kind of happening, but all the little girls are just, like, jumping into the water. Because they're a swim team. The pirates say, you can't do that. You have to stay here. They're like, oh, don't worry. We're on the swim team. And just start swimming away without ever stopping to be like, we are in danger or we have been kidnapped. Oh, he's just worried about our safety in the water. But you don't have to worry about that. Dive right in. This movie is so great. This movie is so good. What kills me is this movie almost got a sequel. In 2011, Miyazaki said he wanted to make one called Porco Rosso, The Last Sortie, about Porco as a veteran pilot in the Spanish Civil War. So it's like more of a grizzled older guy fighting against fascism. But Ghibli today like barely exists. And they have said they have no plans to make that movie. I... Wish they made that movie so badly. I'd love to return to the age of the seaplane. <laughs> I need to read the manga. I will send it to you and post it on our social media. Great. It's very short, and it's, like I said, kind of whimsical. It's a little bit sarcastic in the captions sometimes, where it's like, we're skipping ahead because this is a short manga, so we don't have time to show his travels. That's incredible. And it's also worth noting that it mentions him being an Italian Air Force pilot in the past, but it doesn't really discuss his history besides that fascism is barely mentioned gina's not in it at all like it's oh what a waste it's just kind of a whimsical like age of the skyboats gina is definitely one of the best parts of this movie she's fantastic i love gina and i can't wait to talk about her so should we start talking about the romance yeah the last thing i just want to mention is that of course miyazaki is a huge fan of planes and other flying devices he revisited like a real world time period again in the wind rises and there are a lot of aviation history names in this movie. So, like, Porco's friend Ferrarin, that's the name of an Italian plane designer. The American in this is Curtis. Curtis was the co-founder of the Curtis Wright Company, along with the Wright brothers. Marco's final plane is based on a Caproni design. Caproni being the Italian designer who plays a big role in The Wind Rises. And actually, one thing I did not know is that Ghibli itself was a colloquial name for a Caproni plane. And Ghibli is written on one of the engines. Which makes sense. I thought it was like a studio 
thing, but apparently that's actually a thing that people use to refer to certain Italian planes. A little bit of both, I guess. Yeah. Probably. This movie was a hit. It was the number one movie in Japan in 1992, but it had a relatively minimal U.S. release at the time. Miyazaki in the States has this kind of artsy, you-have-to-know-Miyazaki type vibe. The, ooh, I'm so good at cinema, I know Miyazaki. But in Japan, he's like the Disney. Right. Everyone knows him. He has some of the highest-grossing films in Japanese history. He has like seven of the ten. It's really interesting, the difference of Miyazaki in Japan versus the States. Um, Yeah, I actually want to pull up this list for you. So, the highest grossing films in Japan. Number one, Spirited Away. Number two, Titanic. Number three, Frozen. Number four, Your Name, which is animated but is not Miyazaki. Number five, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Number six, Howl's Moving Castle. Number seven, Princess Mononoke. Number eight, Bayside Shakedown 2. Number nine, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And number 10, Avatar. So, wow. of the top 10, three of them are Miyazaki's, including the number one. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's Spirited the thing. Away, is, perfect movie. It's a great movie. I do feel like Miyazaki movies are done a disservice by the way that, especially during the period when we were growing up, they were often marketed as like, oh, yes, here's this like, you know, artful piece of Japanese animation. When they should be marketed as just like, this is fun. Go watch it. Yeah, this is a good movie for kids to enjoy. I wonder how much of it came out of the fact that when the first wave of DVDs was coming out in the U.S., that was done in part through, like, Miramax played a role in that distribution, and that's a big part of, like, the Weinstein angle is, like, take it seriously. And if you watched it, you'd have John Lasseter going on about, like, yes, this is one of the most important movies to me. And instead, John Lasseter, who... Bad man. Besides this, should have just been like, I made Toy Story. I know what's fun. Watch this fun thing. Yeah, I think it would definitely have changed the perception in the States. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch them at all growing up because I was like, that's a weird other thing. I watched Spirited Away, but not much else when I was actually a kid. But I did love Spirited Away. Good movie. Yeah. But you know what else is a good movie? Porco. Porco Rosso. My man. <laughs> so good. I was really torn about whether to watch the dub this time. I've only ever seen it with subtitles. But Michael Keaton plays Porco in the dub. Wild. I kind of need to see that at some point. Someday, Will. So, every week, we break down the romantic plot of a movie into five points. So this week, we'll be looking at the romance between Porco and Gina, who is the mysterious owner of the Hotel Adriano. The romance is really important to this movie, but is not substantial. Right. So there's not a ton of scenes where they're together, but it's definitely one of the drivers of the movie. Yes. Especially when you take Curtis into account. <laughs> yes. So, after the opening scene, which we've discussed, kind of Bond, unrelated, we then go to the Hotel Adriano. Which is our point number one. And this brings one. us to point one. <laughs> The pirates are gathered at a table that is way too small for them. It's fun. This is basically like Rick's Cafe from Casablanca, but on a tiny little island castle. Yeah, the hotel takes up this whole rock in the middle of the Adriatic. There's a truce. There's no fighting allowed at the Hotel Adriano because everyone is in love with Gina. Right. That's made clear that that's the reason why. And frankly, hard to argue. Yeah, 
For sure. She is someone worth loving. She is a savvy business lady. Super classy. She's got big hats. Knows how to fly. Good singer. Yeah, she is introduced as the hotel singer, and then you only find out later that she's actually the owner, too. There's a scene when Porco arrives, and we still are hearing a track of Gina singing at the Adriano. And then we have this chap looking down at Porco, standing alone on a dock, lighting a cigarette while Gina sings off screen. And I'm like, this is the entire movie right there in that shot. Yeah, that sums up everything that matters in this film. I love this movie so much. So Porco then goes in and Gina clearly knows him. Right. The pirates are so mad that Gina talks to him because they are all in love. The pirates are also hanging out with this American named Curtis. And Curtis immediately falls in love with Gina, as does everyone else. He gets pissed at some dudes for talking while she's singing, and pretty quickly goes and proposes marriage to her. Curtis is absolutely ridiculous, based off of Ronald Reagan. He's clearly Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Because he is a daredevil pilot who wants to make a career in Hollywood as an avenue to then become president. And Miyazaki, as a critic of American military adventurism, would surely see... Reagan and Curtis as people to be mocked. Oh, he is the butt of every joke in this movie. Yes. So Gina says no to Curtis and instead goes to a back room to share some wine with Porco Rosso. Yeah, the two of them clearly have a very established relationship. For example, it's during this that Porco complains about one of the photos on the wall and Gina says that she keeps that photo up because it's the only one of him from when he was a human. And it's Porco, it's this guy Marco and some other dudes standing next to a plane during World War I. Yes, back when he was a pretty handsome man. Yes, he was. We also learn here that Gina's third husband's body has been found. She keeps marrying pilots and they keep dying. Yeah, so she doesn't want to. That's one of the reasons she turns down Curtis, is she doesn't want to get involved with another pilot. Except for one. Except there's always one. The one that flew away ah so they have their nice chat it's like i said i compared it to crouching tiger earlier but it really does remind me of that scene with um shulian and limu Bai sitting like in the cafe where we've got gina and porco sitting really close to each other and talking about things they care about but there's this unspoken romantic tension present as well that is completely unaddressed right and they both know it's there it's not like they're wondering if the other person is into them. They both know exactly how each other feels. I, I thought Porco was a little surprised when he finds out, spoiler alert, when he finds out at the end that Gina does love him. Okay, that's true. So it's definitely, Gina is very clear about her feelings for Porco, but I think Porco as a pig has trouble accepting that this woman could love him. And it's clear that he has feelings for her, but I don't think he's able to fully accept that she does have feelings for him. Right. Porco's a guy who does not see himself as properly fitting into society. He uses the pig thing as shorthand for that, where he makes comments like laws don't apply to pigs. Yeah. But it reflects larger changes in him based on the way that the war changed him. Which is, of course, manifested in his pigness. Yeah, his experience in war clearly shifted his attitude towards humanity as a whole. Yeah. He's capable of having good, close relationships with Gina, with Piccolo, over the course of the movie with Fio, but as a rule, he thinks it's better to stay removed. Yeah, he wants to kind of always have some sort of wall. I mean, his home is literally fully circled in island beach that you have to fly through a tiny crack to get into. Porco's home, pretty great. Yeah, it looks lovely, but also I can't imagine sleeping in a tent on sand every night. 
It's like, dude, if you live, live there, build a house or something. But then that would be establishing permanence, and Porco's not doing that. It's true. He's always on the lamb. Yeah. So Porco then leaves, goes off to get his plane repaired, and he has an encounter with Curtis the American, who's been hired to put an end to Porco Rosso. Because he's the best pilot out there. Right. Curtis won this major race two years in a row. So meanwhile, Porco's out of the picture for a bit, and Curtis goes to visit Gina because she has turned down his proposal of marriage, but to him, that's not a deal breaker. That's just the normal first step, it seems. Right. So point number two, Curtis goes out to Gina's private garden to try to win her over. Ed, surprise, she is not won over. Yeah, weirdly, this dude that she has previously been like, I'm not really interested in you, showing up in her private space, again, does not make her more interested in him. But this is where we find out his plan of taking the money from the pirates to go fund his Hollywood career as his step to president, and he would love for Gina to be his first lady. You know, I bet if he lent the money to Ed Wood, Ed would give him a role in one of his movies. Uh, 100%. But that is a terrible way to the presidency. Do you think Curtis would be a good actor? No. Mm. I genuinely don't know. I think Curtis would be an actor that would get cast repeatedly and play the same character, and sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Yeah, like, I think there's room for him in Golden Age Hollywood. But I don't think he would have much range. Yeah, that feels right. So, anyway, Gina says, I'm not interested in you, I'm not courting anybody, like, I'm a gambler. And basically what she means is she is removing herself from romantic entanglements, betting on her hope that this pilot that she doesn't name is one day going to come and see her during the day. She's like, he always visits at night, but he never comes during the day. And one day while I'm out here, he'll come. And that's how I'll know that we should be together. So that's why she spends her day sitting in her garden, just hoping that some pilot will land in the ocean in his seaplane that everyone seems to have and woo her. And while they're having that conversation, Porco flies overhead. And she's like, oh my gosh, it's him. But Porco doesn't stop. He just keeps flying. And Curtis is pissed. He's like, what? That's the dude you're into? That jerk? Porco is kind of a jerk, to be fair. Yeah, Porco is not a nice guy. He just wants to sit on his beach and smoke and drink wine and read his magazines. And take care of his plane. Yeah. But he does not land. And she is sad. Yeah. And then Vio is now in the picture, too. Yeah, so Porco goes on some adventures. He has to get his plane repaired. He takes it to his buddy Piccolo. Piccolo is like, yo, my granddaughter, Fio, is a great plane designer. You should have her oversee your repairs. And Porco's kind of resistant at first because he's sexist. And then Fio wins him over. She fixes his plane. They have to hide from the fascists, but they make it out of town. And Porco's like, I'm back in business, baby. Time to fight the American. So, we do learn some other stuff about Porco and Gina in point number three. For starters, one night, Porco is talking to Fio, and she asks how he became a pig. And he tells her that story. And he's talking about how his friend, who was Gina's first husband, got married to Gina. And they got to not be in combat that day, but they couldn't get greater leave. So, like, the day after the wedding, they all had to go back into combat. 
and everybody died yeah, and ascended to the heavy Porco. side layer, except for Porco, who got to see this like plain graveyard in the sky, but was returned to Earth. I really am just fascinated by the idea that in like 1900, the Wright brothers invented a new heaven. <laughs> They didn't just create planes. They invented a new afterlife just for people that die on planes. What's interesting is, like, the same plane graveyard appears in The Wind Rises. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere as long as there are planes. <laughs> as long as there's planes, dead pilots will exist. I do think this is what the Heaviside Layer is. because No, the Heaviside Layer is a ionic, at, like, layer of the atmosphere or something. I'm saying at the end of the film Cats, Grizabella ascends in a balloon... That could have been your favorite aircraft, Mark. Uh, absolutely not. Ascends in a balloon to somewhere, and I'm just saying she might have wound up in the graveyard of planes in the sky. There were only biplanes, no tire balloons. Well, that's because Cats is set in the 80s. It happens later. I just, that, can we stop talking about Cats? <laughs> My God, the movie broke me. So the other thing we learn is we learn around this time that Gina's able to fly, and we see a very sweet flashback to her and a young Marco flying planes together. As little kids. Yeah. Because there were clearly feelings between Gino and Porco. Right. But she wound up marrying his friend instead. Right. Before then. They grew up together. So cute. And this takes us to point number four. A big showdown. Curtis, of course, was hired by the pirates to take out Porco so that the pirates could continue to raid as they wanted in the age in which seaplanes dominated the Mediterranean. And Curtis was feeling good about having beaten Porco, but now Porco's back and Curtis is like, well, all right, let's have a rematch. He falls in love with Theo, the 17-year-old designer of Porco's plane. Yeah. Because if there's one thing Curtis loves, it's falling in love with women at first glance and then demanding that they marry him. It's so gross. So Curtis demands Theo's hand in marriage. And where they land is Curtis and Porco will have another dogfight. And if Curtis wins, he marries Theo. If Porco wins, Curtis pays off all of Porco's debts. Yes. And it's such a fun fight. Yeah, it's a great fight. The Mama Ayutos, the pirates are raking in cash, organizing bets on it. And they're like, we should be doing this every week. We should commit to gambling. It looks like the Royal Ascot where everyone's all dressed up, but it's all just pirates coming out to watch. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love when all the pirates want to take a picture together with Theo. And then at the last minute, they all start fighting over who's going to get to be closest to her in the picture. And the final photo is just the leader of the pirates and everybody else is strewn about. Yeah, Theo manages to basically yell the pirates into submission and then they all become obsessed with her. Right, because she's the one who points out that they're washed by the sea and the sky. Exactly. Uh, Theo. She's great. Classic Miyazaki young girl character. Yeah, plucky young girl hero. She reminded me especially of Nausicaa. Definitely. But Porco and Curtis have a showdown. Porco lines up several chances to take Curtis out, but he refuses to do so in a way where Curtis would die. Right, Porco repeatedly is like, we are sometimes in conflict, but this is not a war. Like, when he buys new bullets at one point, he refuses to get high explosive or armor-piercing rounds. He's like, this is not that serious. We're going to be okay. His goal is basically just wear the plane down to where it has to land, and then he'll win. Yeah. 
Curtis tries to take advantage of that, but then his guns aren't working. And so he and Porco are both forced to land because they're both having mechanical issues. And they just start beating each other up in the shallows. In one of the funniest fights ever. Because it goes on for ages. Neither of them will admit defeat and they're just slugging each other back and forth. And they both look so gross. Yes. And around this point, Curtis starts yelling about how it's unfair that Porco has both Fio and Gina. And Porco's like, what are you talking about? And Curtis is like, well, Gina's in love with you, so just let me have Fio. Which is such a disgusting attitude, but also one Porco would probably share, because he is a sexist pig. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Not a fascist pig, though. No. But Gina, while this is happening, gets a message from Porco's last friend in the Air Force. Ferrarin. Who lets her know that the fascist Air Force is coming to arrest all the pirates. And Porco. Since they're all gathered together. And Porco. And so Gina hops on her plane, flies out there, arrives, and tells them that they need to scatter. Porco is also astonished by Curtis saying that Gina's in love with him. And when he gets punched in the face right after that, one of the lenses of Porco's goggles pops out. And that goggle is warped into the shape of a heart. Oh. But then Porco wins the fight. And then we get the everyone fleeing. And then we get point five, the narration that ends the movie. Yeah, we end with some nice narration from Fio, where she talks about how she never saw Porco again, but he was not captured. And says she did become really good friends with Gina, which is great, because I would love to see the two of them hang out. I love that. The the most sure thing we know at the movie's end is that female friendship continues. Yeah. And one of the last things we see is a shot of Gina's garden and the gazebo she hung out in. And Fio's saying, like, I'm not going to tell you if Porco ever came to visit Gina during the day. That's their business. Yeah. So we never know if Gina won her bet. Yeah. I like to think so. I love this movie so much. Me too. It's so good. So, Mark. Yes. Do you find the romance of Porco Rosso to be believable? I kind of do. They grew up together as kids. They clearly have a very established relationship. It's kind of weird that she married the other guy first. And then when it seems two other guys after that. Yeah. It's weird that she married three pilots without marrying Porco. Of course, Porco himself probably would not have been open to that necessarily at some of these points. That's true. But I think there's enough there that it is not our least believable no. romance. Curtis is also a cartoon character, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis just does not factor in I mean, here, he's got to really. be a bit of a factor. Yeah. So every week we rate the believability of a movie's romance on a 10-point scale, where zero means we believe none of it, and 10 means we believe all of it. So where would you put Porco Rosso? Probably somewhere around a six or a that seven. That is also what I was thinking. Um, I can't decide which way I'm leaning between those two. I think it depends on how seriously you factor in I Curtis. think I have to. And Curtis's repeated proposals to women he has just met are kind of a yeah. problem to me because they're serious, is the thing. He's not a dude who's like, wow, you're so beautiful. Like, I want to marry you. He's like, will you marry me right now? Uh, I think maybe yeah, a six. I think that's the move. Um, do you think Marco... Let's approach these separately. Do you think that Marco Pagot slash Porco Rosso is dateable? No. No. Uh, he's terrible. I love him so much. But he is awful. He's the worst. He's super sexist. He's a jerk. He's, a, he's rude. He's smoking all the time. The best you can say is he's not a fascist. Right. He'd rather be a pig. Second question, is Gina dateable? Absolutely. She's the best. Absolutely, one of the most dateable yes. people we've ever seen. Do you think that Marco and Gina will be together slash stay together? 
I like to think they get together. I do too. And if they do, I think they stay together. I think so too. I can see them both settling down together. Yeah. Away from the seaplane life. I mean, I like to believe that Porco can find some sort of peace. Because you get the sense that he has been adrift ever since the events during the war when he almost died. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. I think we both know the answer to if you had to pick one person in this movie to date. It's clearly it's Gina. It's obviously Gina. She's the best. There's no one better. She rules. And she'd be wearing her big hats. Uh, she's so good. She's such a good singer. She's a really good singer. Now, one thing that's happened to a lot of movies that we've covered is that they've been made into stage musicals. And I was wondering if you think that should be done with Porco Rosso. Absolutely not. It should be an opera. I don't think you could capture the magic of the true seaplane battles on stage enough that it would be worth turning into a musical. I think opera's the move. I think the high Italian emotions would be served well by opera. And I think that, like, you could use, like, opera-style sets and machinery stuff, which tend to be a little bit funkier and abstract than in a lot of musicals, to do some of the seaplane stuff. If you were to do this on stage, it would have to be an opera. I just don't know if you would be able to capture all of the true magic of the film in an opera form. All right. I think that about does it for... Porco Rosso. Love this movie. Watch it if you haven't. If you're not in America, it's probably on Netflix. If you are in America, it will be on HBO Max sometime this spring. Next week, we'll be discussing a very classic film that stars two very hot people. We'll be discussing Bonnie and Clyde. I have not seen it, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's really good. I think you're going to love it. Yeah, it'll give us a chance to revisit the same Oscar year that we've hit a couple of times when we talked about The Graduate and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It's a big year. Yeah. Big year for film. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and tell your friends about us. Last question, Mark. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from Porco Rosso? You can be a pig, but you can't be a fascist. Fantastic advice. I think for me, it's if you are into somebody, don't start fights at their place of work. Also, get to know women before you propose. Uh, That's good advice, too. (laughs) And on that note, until next time, I'm Gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye. ものだとそれは誰にも言えない今でも同じように見果ての夢を描いて走り続けているよねどこかで<音楽>